Charger fans are witnesses to history. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Welcome, everybody, to the first ever playoff edition of the Lightning Round Podcast. I am Gareth Sisti, at Gareth Sisti on Twitter. Jamie Hoyle is here, a jovial Jamie Hoyle. He is at <laughs> Lightning underscore round. Let's just go ahead and fire off these donations and get right into it. The first donation was from Joseph Valinsky. He said, I'm the guy who asked for the podcast before my flight. I thought you were legends then. I think you are legends now. No, but seriously, love the pod. Uh, backstory on that. Tweeted at us, say, hey, I got to board my flight in about an hour. Can you get me the podcast? I said, sure. And we did. So we got that podcast out early. He could listen to it on his flight. And uh, we are now legends. So heroes are remembered. Legends never die. That's good. Thank you, Joseph. <laughs> Weren't we always legends? I thought we were always legends, <laughs> at least in our own minds, right? <laughs> Joseph affirming that fact. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, next, the next donation is from Ian Harper. Um, and Ian says, Chargers had an awesome season, and so did you guys. Uh, watching them exceed everybody's expectations and overcome all the doubters has been a fantastic ride. Thanks for being a great listen, win or lose. Thank you, Ian. We appreciate it. It was a fun season, and by far the best season we've done with the show. Yeah, and I assume he was talking about us when he was saying, watch them exceed everyone's expectations, overcome all the doubters. Been a fantastic ride. I assume he's talking about the podcast. There, not so much the Chargers. But uh, anyway, the last donation is from Adrian Buelna. He says, very, very late, but to honor a tweet I sent out that said, drinks are on me, uh, that Garrett acknowledged a few weeks ago. Pop some beer bottles and cheers. As always, I enjoy this podcast and wish you guys a happy holidays and a great 2019 from Tijuana, Mexico. And whenever you want to taste of some TJ Craft Beer and Tacos, give me a tweet. I'll show you guys around some good places. Your friend Adrian. Now, he tweeted that he was going to get us some beers, and I assumed he was going to meet us at a bar and buy us some beers. But no, he's going to donate, realizing he's now in Mexico. Uh, so we won't get that face-to-face unless we want to go down to TJ Jamie make a trip of it and uh, go get some tacos and beer. Uh, it sounds like fun, but I haven't been to TJ since I was like 19 or 20. So <laughs> uh, general rule of thumb, Adrian, no offense, but uh, once you're 21, there's really no good reason to go to TJ. Sorry. <laughs> first of all, first of all, it's 18 because you can drink down there. When you're you can get in there before 21. No, I'm saying once you're 21 and no, you can I know, drink yeah. legally here, oh, right, 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 there's right. no reason. There's no good – nothing good comes from going to TJ. I've had some bad experiences down there. So well, <laughs> <laughs> I have too, but man, I don't know. Those tacos might be worth it. I'm sure but thank be, you, Adrian. I'm sure it would be worth it to go visit with Adrian. But my last oh, experience was not a good one, and I swore not to go back. So. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for the three that donated this week. Again, don't forget, we're on PayPal. We're on Venmo. You know how to get a hold of us. We're lightning round on both of those. So if you want to donate, feel free. If not, no worries. Thank you so much for all the support this year. And before we get in this breakdown, let's just talk about some injury news. For the bad, the Chargers lost linebacker Jatavis Brown. Linebacker that was kind of emerging once Kaiser White went down. Uh, he is out for the year with an ankle injury. They will not have Jatavis Brown for the playoffs, which means Hayes Pollard will be the replacement in base packages. We'll kind of talk about some other replacement in other packages when we get to this preview. But for now, no Jatavis Brown going into the playoffs. They'll be a little shorthanded in the linebacker group. Also, Hunter Henry. We got a little bit of an update. We'll see how Hunter Henry does this week, 
But we have a little update on the Chargers tight end. Yeah, so Eric Williams uh, for ESPN wrote an article about it today uh, where he kind of addressed the injury and the expectations that Hunter would play. And basically what it comes down to is the Chargers apparently very quietly activated the 21-day uh, – well, let me back up. So the char- So because Hunter Henry is on the pup, uh, he has to be activated. Uh, they had a – they they have to add him to the active roster, and he has to be. Um, they have a 21 day period to evaluate him before he can be before he either has to be activated or um, or shut down for the season. They started the 21 day window on December 27th, which means doing some quick math, he has to be activated by January 7th or be shut down for the rest of the year. And basically, what Eric Williams said was, is that. There is no guarantee he's going to play. Uh, while he will is expected to practice with the first team for the first time this week, uh, he has not had a full pad of practice yet, and they are not sure that he's ready to play. Uh, while Anthony Lynn did say that he thought that the knee was stable and healthy, both he and Tom Telesco were quoted basically saying, "We're we need to see more from him because he hasn't had a full pad of practice yet, and we don't we don't know for sure that he's going to play." So. Take it for what it's worth. It could be that they are being coy, but it sounds to me like maybe things aren't as certain for him to return as we'd all like to think they are. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Yeah, there were some reports that Hunter Henry was sprinting uh, before the Denver game in Week 17, and maybe they are being a little tight-lipped with the playoffs coming. As of today, we don't know if Hunter Henry will be playing on Sunday against the Ravens. So uh, we won't get too much into that, but we'll we'll touch on it a little bit. And because this is a playoff podcast, we're going to do things a little bit different. Uh, Jamie and I went back and watched some more games from this Ravens team. Of course, rewatched the matchup from Week 16 against the Chargers, and uh, we both kind of focus on either side of the ball. Uh, we're going to talk about the Ravens' offense. We're both going to give some strengths, weaknesses, and give some keys to the game. Same with defense, strengths, weaknesses, also some keys to the game. Uh, after that, we're going to give our prediction for whether we think the Chargers will win or lose. And after that, we're going to give you our preferred path to the Super Bowl. Uh, I know that's uh, wishful thinking, and I know people are more focused on this wild card round, but if we were to choose our path to the Super Bowl for the Chargers, we will tell you what we would like for that matchup to be. So let's just jump right into it, Jamie. This is the playoffs. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, let's talk about this offense. All right, so let's just go ahead and start, I guess, with uh, their new star quarterback, Lamar Lamar Jackson, somebody who we covered in detail in the draft process uh, last spring. Mm-hmm. And watching the passing game, watching Lamar Jackson, um, you know, the Ravens work really hard to simplify the passing game for Jackson. They reduce the number of reads for him and trying to create big passing lanes so he doesn't have to fit the ball in the tight windows. It uh, looks to me like Jackson right now is pretty much doing the same thing he was doing in college, which is he's going through one to two reads most times. The first read is generally something between the hash marks, maybe a slant or a hitch or something designed to get it out of his hands quickly and pick up five to seven yards and just keep the ball moving and get them ahead of the chains. Um, and it looks to me watching him on film that he really needs his look. His, he really needs the windows to be perfect. He's not putting the ball in the tight windows. He's not taking any chances with the ball. Even on some throws where I thought he has plays to make, he's pulling the ball down. He's double pumping at times, uh, hesitant to throw the ball in the traffic. If his guy isn't wide open with a big window, he's probably not going to throw it. So um, 
we'll get to keys of the game a little bit later, but it seems to me like you want to make tight windows for him and force him to make uncomfortable decisions where guys aren't wide open. I think, you know, watching him throw the ball, Jackson, in my opinion, is really accurate between the hash marks. He's kind of accurate from the hash marks to the numbers, but the further he gets away from the hash marks, the less accurate he tends to get. And his footwork is not great, which can tend to problem tend to create problems throwing the ball consistently outside the numbers, particularly driving it to the boundaries. And he's really erratic to the boundaries, generally missing high and inside. We saw a couple throws against the Chargers in Week 16 where he was trying to throw the ball not necessarily to the boundaries, but outside the numbers, and he was leaving the ball inside and short consistently because he just isn't getting his footwork there and he's not driving the ball where it needs to go. Um, you see a lot of hitch and slant and swing routes from Michael Crabtree and Willie Sneed underneath, again, just trying to get the ball out of Jackson's hands as quickly as possible, and a heavy focus on those quick, easy reads between the numbers, between the hashes, where they, they can just pick up five yards and get the, get the ball moving. Um, I think you get a pretty good idea of whether they're going to run the ball or pass the ball, depending on which tight ends are on the field. Uh, they're generally looking to pass the ball if Mark Andrews is on the field. He's their big play tight end option, uh, really their best receiving option at tight end. Uh, the Ravens like to get Andrews up the seam, particularly against linebackers from the slot, and use his size to their advantage, kind of give Jack, uh, Jackson that big target over the middle of the field. And I think they're starting to show some ten- some of the same tendencies with Hayden Hurst over the last few weeks. But Again, easy throws, big windows, and as we get into the keys of the game, we'll talk about the importance of tightening those windows down and making things uncomfortable for Jackson. Yeah, you know, they're definitely, you know, keeping it simple for Jackson. That's why they're getting almost every tight end they have involved. It's the big windows. It's the middle of the field. Uh, They've got Nick Boyle, Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, Max Williams. They're trying to get those big bodies open. Uh, A lot of the big plays are up the seam. Uh, yeah, he doesn't go to the boundary very often, and he is a guy that has one, two reads, and then it's a tuck-it-and-run type of quarterback. And the Chargers did a really good job of containing Lamar Jackson last time on the ground. He had his lowest total since becoming a starter. He had 13 carries, 39 yards. A lot of that was aided by um, Adrian Phillips, who was the spy defender uh, from his linebacker spot. We kind of talked about when we reviewed the last matchup they had in Week 16. Um, now that Jatavis Brown is out... I looked back to that Browns matchup with Baker Mayfield, and they threw out Rayshon Jenkins in that linebacker spot. We might see that with an extra DB to kind of keep Hayes Pollard off the field a little bit more, um, be a little bit of a spy. He play, he was pretty good against Baker, and I think we might see a little bit of that on Sunday. We talked about how they want to simplify it. If you want to close down the windows, like Jamie mentioned, uh, the point being you want to force Lamar Jackson to throw the ball. We're going to get in the run game, but if the Chargers can – Put it on Lamar's arm. That's a good thing. Uh, maybe a mistake or two will happen because since becoming a starter, Lamar Jackson has fumbled at least one time in every single start. We saw one fumble against the Chargers. Adrian Phillips tackled Lamar for a big loss, but um, he will turn it over. He's got five touchdowns, three interceptions since, since week 11 when he became a starter. Um, he hasn't thrown a pick in five straight games, but uh, you know if you make him throw it a little bit more than he wants to, 
he will be susceptible to turnovers. But just since we're talking about Lamar Jackson, they have got to contain him. They have got to stay disciplined. They cannot let him be a rusher, not only in design runs, but as a scrambler. Because, like you mentioned, having it simple, it's only a couple reads. And if it's not there, he's taken off. And we saw some Chargers were having some troubles bringing him down in the first matchup. Uh, they just got to contain him. Uh, they did a very good job last time. So, uh, you know, keep him in the pocket, putting on Lamar Jackson's arm, and uh, let let the defense take care of it. Yeah, I think this is one of those games, and we saw it in the first matchup, and I think it will be even more important in this matchup, is people are going to focus on Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram getting pressure off the edge, and I don't think edge pressure is nearly as important with Lamar Jackson as interior pressure. It's going to be really on guys like Rochelle and Phylon and Mebane and Justin Jones and anybody else they try to line up inside. Maybe you see some of Joey reducing into three tech. Um, it's going to be on those guys to drive that pocket, to drive that interior line back into Jackson's lap. You want to have very tight, very disciplined rush angles and rush lanes. You don't want to give him big gaping holes on the line where he can find open receivers or find running lanes. You want to make you want to make him feel the interior pressure because when he feels the interior pressure, his eyes drop and he looks at the he looks at the line instead of down the field. So you can dictate how he's playing as a passer, and you can trap him in the pocket as elusive as he is. If you get that immediate interior pressure, he will pull the ball down and he'll dance and he'll retreat instead of trying to scramble for yards. He'll retreat trying to buy time, and in some cases, he will cost his team yards doing that. So. Very important to get that interior pressure, drive those linemen back into his lap, and keep him from stepping up in the pocket or keep from creating lanes for him to escape through. Yeah, and a um, big hot topic when we were talking about Lamar Jackson during the draft podcast was his footwork and how shoddy it was. And when you talk about interior pressure, you see a little of that falling back to his college days where if you are getting that interior pressure and you're at his feet, he's looking down at the line and he's trying to take off. Now, uh, it bit Cleveland in the ass uh, last week because they left a gaping hole open and he ran it in for a touchdown. Um, but that's when you got to stay disciplined and that's why you got to uh, have gap integrity. So obviously, you know, creating pressure is a big deal for the Chargers defense, but also staying disciplined, interior pressure will be a big deal too. So uh, let's talk about this running game because this is a big focal part of their offense as well. Let's talk about these running backs. Yeah, so their their running game is really centered around a lot of movement, a lot of motion up front, a lot of pulling guards. They really like to put a lot of bodies in a small area and create as much chaos as possible, hoping they can pull somebody out of their gap, just get that little wrinkle of space to have somebody burst through and for a big gain. And that's really what they rely on is they rely on the fact that they're going to be more disciplined than the defense and that when that crease when that gap presents itself, their backs or Lamar are going to find it and get a big gain. And these backs are very good. Once they get going downhill, they're hard to tackle. You know, Edwards is the power back. He's the guy that's going to run over you, run through you. Dixon can run with power, but he's got a little bit more wiggle. He's a little bit more elusive in tight quarters. He's um, he's really the big play home run hitter of, of the backs. And then, of course, Lamar is just electric. You give him a wrinkle. He could take it 60 yards in, a, in the flash of an eye. So, you know, you really have to you really have to set those hard edges. You have to get interior penetration. You need to string out those runs. Keep those guys running east west instead of north south, and hope that your your team can gang tackle and chase them down before they cut up field and make a play. If you start 
drifting out of out of position, you know, kind of reacting to some of the window dressing they do with the motion with guys like John Brown and and the tight ends at times and even Willie Sneed, if you start reacting to that, you're going to leave your spot and you're going to give them a crease to run through. So you really have to stay home. You have to be extremely disciplined and trust what you're reading and make a play when you have a chance. You've got to get that first guy on the ground. You can't miss the first tackle, otherwise you're going to get hurt. Yeah, and we saw early on the run defense struggling for the Chargers, especially with uh, Gus Edwards, who broke a 40-plus yard run on his first carry. Yeah, more of the power back, Kenneth Dixon, more of the elusive back, like you mentioned, but this run game is a big priority for this offense. Uh, They are a run-heavy attack, and you know we were talking about maybe giving the ball to Lamar Jackson and making him throw a little bit more. I mean, selling hard, we're going to talk about keys of the game, but a uh, big priority here is going to be selling hard and stopping this run, and they did a pretty good job the first time around. Uh, they forced a fumble on Dixon. Uh, the Chargers did. Melvin Ingram recovered. So they're going to have to stop the run. Uh, they kind of settled down after the first quarter, uh, the run defense did for the Chargers, and uh, they'll have to do it again on Sunday. Yeah, I think playing them a second time in, what, three weeks is going to be very big for them because they've already seen it. You know, mm-hmm. We haven't seen how this run game looks when they play somebody for a second time. And to play them for a second time in three weeks, the Chargers, I think, have the advantage here because they've seen it. They understand what they're trying to do, and they know what they have to do to stop it. And they made a lot of those adjustments, um, and like you mentioned, after the first two or three drives, it seemed like they really settled down. Yeah. And they started making clean tackles and getting guys on the ground and getting the Ravens behind the chains. So I think it's going to be important that they go back and they watch that and they kind of repeat some of those adjustments they made. And I think one thing you want to, you really want to pay attention to, I alluded to it earlier, is how they use their tight ends because they're throwing more often than not to Hayden Hurst and, and um, Mark, Mark Andrews. Andrews. Mm-hmm. But – Nick Boyle is basically like an extra offensive lineman for them. He's on the field a lot, and when he's on the field, they're generally running behind him. And if they've got Boyle and Max Williams on the field together, they're probably motioning Williams across the formation or using him as like a fullback, H-back kind of role as a lead blocker, and they're running directly behind Boyle. So those guys really fuel that running game. They're pulling Ronnie Stanley a lot. They're pulling – they're rotating three guys at left guard right now, Alex Lewis, Bradley Bozeman, and uh, somebody – I think his last name is Hurst. I'm blanking on his first name. Uh, James Hurst? Yes. Yeah, so they're rotating those three at left guard, and they're, they really – they run right quite a bit. And when they're doing that, they're usually pulling the left guard and the left tackle across the formation, having Williams lead through, lead through the hole – and like I said, creating those uncomfortable, that chaos with maximum bodies in one area, trying to find a crease. So you really have to watch who's on the field at tight end, and that's really going to tip their hand as to what they're looking to do on the ground. So you've mentioned a couple of these wide receivers, Brown, Crabtree, Snead. Uh, let, let's talk about this receiving core. You know, I don't think this is a very good receiving core, to be honest with you. You don't think? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, they are not. I, you know, I, I don't think it's... You know, it'd be easy to point to it and say, well, they don't they don't pass the ball very often because of Lamar Jackson. It's not on the receivers. But look, there's not a lot of athleticism in this receiving core. Um, Michael Crabtree is not moving very well anymore. He's not very dangerous. They might throw the occasional jump ball to him in the end zone. We saw that two weeks ago. Um, but really, he's running slants and hitches, easy, quick patterns. They're not pushing him down the field at all. Uh, John Brown is their deep threat from the slot more often than not. 
but he's not much of a possession receiver. He's not a guy who's going to make volume catches. He's going to make a couple catches and hope they're big plays down the field. And Willie Sneed, it seems like they use him more like a tight end more often than not. He's lining up in line um, as an extra blocker in the running game. And if he's making plays, it's generally from the slot on a quick slant or something. There's just nothing nothing about this wide receiver core, in my opinion, that really threatens you a whole lot. And I feel like the Chargers match up really well outside. You know, you start looking at maybe playing a lot of man coverage on the outside. And you put Casey Hayward on um, on like a John Brown. You go size for size and put um, Michael Davis on Crabtree because you get a little more athleticism and a little more length with Michael Davis. And he matched up really well with Crabtree in the first matchup. Uh, you know, you broke up that jump ball you were talking about earlier. He sure did. In the end zone. Mm-hmm. He broke up. Yeah, he had a couple of really good reps uh, versus Crabtree. And then I think, yeah. you know, obviously King in the slot with whoever's in the slot, whether it's Brown or Snead or whomever, and maybe play a little bit more zone at the second level with, the, with your linebackers and your safeties. Try to kind of clog those passing lanes a little bit, tighten things up and make things uncomfortable for Lamar. Don't give him those big, wide-open passing lanes. So I think you're going to have to mix up your coverages and try to confuse him. Um, but I think the Chargers match up really well man for man with those receivers. I just I don't see much of a threat. And with the exception of Andrews, who hurt them in the last game, but I think you can erase him with a with an Adrian Phillips or a Derwin James, I just don't see a matchup problem with their wide receivers or their tight ends that I'm overly concerned about hurting them deep or chewing, you know, chewing up a ton of yards. It's just not there. Yeah. Well, I mean, the only thing that would, uh, if you want to call it a threat is the speed of John Brown, but even, even that I don't think is that big of a deal. And, you know, this just seems like a, I mean, it is, it's a bunch of castaway wide receivers. You got John Brown, who's a former Cardinal. He's got 750 yards on the year. Uh, and that's, he's their leading receiver. Willie Sneed, Crabtree, both in Eclipse, 700 yards. Neither of them were a threat last time against the Chargers. Last time they met, uh, the leading receiver was John Brown with two catches for 27 yards. So they didn't have any problems on the outside. Like you mentioned, the one that gave him the problems was Mark Andrews. Uh, he had two catches, 83 yards, and the touchdown on that broken play. Jalil Adai couldn't bring him down in the end. And that was his career high. Andrews has only broke 50 yards like five times this year. Uh, he's gotten some chunk plays, but not a ton. You know, he's no Hunter Henry. But like I mentioned earlier, and like you were kind of talking about, if you want to erase a guy like Andrews, maybe you do see Rayshon Jenkins in with Jatavis Brown out. Uh, maybe you see more Derwin matched up on him. You've got Adrian Phillips, who's a who's a beautiful matchup for these tight ends. So this is a very, very good matchup with the wide receivers versus DBs for the Chargers. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think you have the depth and the length and the athleticism to be able to mix and match against the tight ends and play a little bit of zone in the back end and try to confuse Lamar. I I just think, you know, you don't want to give these guys space. Oftentimes you see the Chargers with their cover three zone, they're backing corners off, giving those quick slants up in the middle of the field, hoping the linebackers are going to drop back and break them up and it's not happening. I think you want to bring the corners up, particularly on the outside, bring those guys up on the line of scrimmage, get them right up under the wide receiver's chins, post them up, have them get their hands on them. I mean, Davis, he played really well in Denver and he's been playing better and better and better. Mm -hmm. He gets his hands on somebody and he's erasing them. They're not, they're not breaking free when he gets his hands on guys. So you, you stick him on Crabtree, you have him beat up Crabtree, be physical with him. You take him out of the game, and I just think I think it's an easy matchup across the board. 
Yeah, rewatching that game, you know, we're so used to hearing Michael Crabtree's name in a positive light, you know, when he was with the Raiders, and he was almost a net negative because he had that uh, offensive pass interference on a fourth down. He almost mm-hmm. he cost the team more yards than he had receiving. Yep. Uh, he his one big reception came at like the uh, right at the end of the second quarter when they're trying to like um, eat up some yards to try to kick that really long field goal at the end. But yeah, Crabtree was uh, was nowhere to be seen that game. So this is a really, really good matchup for these DBs. Uh, and then let's just go ahead and wrap up this uh, Baltimore offensive line. We can talk about keys of the games then. And let's talk about this offensive line. Yeah, uh, this offensive line, even though they're blocking really well in the run game, I don't think this is an, a particularly talented or good offensive line in my opinion. Uh, I kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. You know, they've got uh, Ronnie Stanley at left tackle. They're rotating three guys, three pretty below average guys at left guard right now between Alex Lewis and Bradley Bozeman and James Hurst their center Matt Skura is also pretty awful he's been getting picked on quite a bit lately Um, really Marshall Yanda is the best piece in that line he's very good at right guard and their I think their right tackle is pretty vulnerable in in Orlando Brown Jr. a guy that neither one of us cared for much in the draft (laughs) and uh, you know they took him in what the third round I think third yep third yep and I think there are vulnerabilities all up and down that line with the exception of Yanda. Um, and I think they have one – I think the Chargers have several good matchups. You know, I think you look at Darius Phylon. He struggled a little bit early in that game – in the first game in Week 16 because they had him on the right side of the offensive line and he was matched up head-to-head with Marshall Yanda quite a bit. And Yanda and Skura were double-teaming him and he was struggling. But about midway through the second quarter, Gus moved him to the left side of the offensive line, and he started just eating the left guard's lunch. I mean, he was killing him. And Skurro couldn't block him. Bozeman and Hurst couldn't block him. It was a nightmare. So I still don't think they have an answer for Phylon. I think that's a really great matchup. I think the pieces are there for the Chargers to be able to drive those interior linemen back into into, uh, Jackson's lap like we talked about. And I think there are some vulnerabilities at tackle too. I think even though Stanley's played pretty well, he shows some vulnerability to inside counters, in my opinion. He can be beat around the edge. Um, Both Stanley and Orlando Brown Jr., um, in my opinion, they struggle with nickel blitzes. You send multiple rushers at them, and they both kind of get confused, and they struggle. So I think there are ways to get after Jackson in key situations there by confusing their tackles and and sending multiple rushers. Um, but I think, you know, this is a game where you're probably going to see, you know, more four and five type, pre- five man type pressure packages, dropping more guys back and trying to confuse Jackson. Yeah. I got a little bit different opinion on the offensive line. I think uh, you're right about the interior. I think uh, they're very susceptible in the middle. Um, I don't think the tackle play is all that bad. I thought uh, Ronnie Stanley set a pretty good year, the games we watched. And I thought Orlando Brown was much better than expected. I also didn't think he was very good coming out of the draft, so uh, take that for what it's worth. But, um, you know, watching him, I didn't think he was all that bad. And wa- going back to that game in Week 16, it didn't seem like there were a ton of pressure coming at Lamar Jackson. I thought their uh, run game was pretty good. I think they get some pretty good push up front. In the run game, pass blocking, I think there are some weaknesses for sure. On paper, I think there are some really good matchups, like you talked about with Darius Phylon. Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram on either end is obviously a good matchup. I think you're right. I think they do drop a little bit more zone. They rush five. 
I don't think Gus gets too aggressive, only because of how slippery Lamar Jackson could be, and you don't want to send too many guys and leave too many holes open. So, you know, obviously this defensive line's got to win their matchups. they got to stay disciplined, collapse that pocket we talked about, interior pressure, hopefully close the walls in on him, on uh, Lamar Jackson. It's more that it's more to uh, stay disciplined, close the walls in, get interior pressure than it is send the house and get mm-hmm. to him quick. Absolutely. Type of pressure on Lamar Jackson. So when you know when we're talking about getting pressure on Lamar Jackson, it's not hey man, send Derwin and Dez off the edges because you'll be in trouble then because he can have his quick read and he'll be okay. And then you know if anybody's out of line, then he's gone for twenty plus yards. So it's all about staying disciplined. Hopefully closing the walls in on the edges from Bosa Ingram. File on creating some interior pressure on Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I agree with that. So let's let's go ahead and talk about some of these keys for the Chargers defense. All right. Well, I think obviously you know they're going to be run heavy and they're not looking to put the ball in the air too much. So I think you're looking to have seven to eight guys in the box as often as possible. We talked about walking the corners up to the line of scrimmage and having man coverage on the outside across the board. Um, you can mix and match a little bit with Andrews to take him away, Phillips, Derwin, and you know maybe a little bit of Rayshon Jenkins. I think from a linebacker standpoint, uh, they you know they used Jenkins quite a bit at linebacker, and it seemed like they were even using him as a kind of a slot corner at times in Denver. Some some interesting looks with him. So it see I think what we'll probably wind up seeing is some kind of a, a mix and match with uh, Phillips, Jenkins, and Pollard at times at linebacker, and maybe even seeing some of um, uh, Nwosu at at Sam at times just when they're looking to rush the passer or if they feel like they need to go big because they have multiple tight ends on the field. We talked about you know jamming their receivers, creating tight windows in the middle of the field, mixing up coverages with the linebackers, trying to get as many bodies back into those passing lanes as possible. And really, I mean, you got to stop the run. And it comes down to setting. you got to stay home. you got to set a physical edge and maintain that edge. you got to string the runs out, get those guys running east-west, and then gang tackle. And you got to make the first tackle. You can't miss tackles or they're going to eat you alive. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, stopping the runs going to be a big deal. They're a run-heavy attack. Not only Gus and Dixon, but also Lamar Jackson. Uh, we mentioned it. Got to stay disciplined. We talked about pressure, where you hope to create pressure from the edges, create some interior pressure, and you know, obviously can't be too aggressive with the blitzes. Gus can't. You know, if you do stop the run, it's twofold. You're taking away their strength because they're a run-heavy offense, but you're also making Lamar Jackson throw the ball. And we talked about how they're trying to simplify that offense for Lamar. And if you keep it a little complex and he's got to throw it a little bit more often than he needs to or he has in the past, he'll be susceptible to some mistakes. Uh, you'll you'll get a turnover. He's going to fumble. He has every game he started. So uh, creating some turnovers will be good. We talked about man on the outside is easy. It's a great matchup. And having guys like Rayshon and Adrian Phillips uh, and then even Hayes Pollard in the middle is a very good rotation, especially with these uh, three or four tight ends they're going to run on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think all that makes a lot of sense. Um, And one thing we haven't mentioned, well, you've mentioned that Lamar fumbles. I think if you do get home on Lamar and you have a chance to make a play, everybody needs to be ripping at that ball as you're bringing him down. Get your hand on the ball. 
He does not have very large or very strong hands, and he does have a tendency to cough up the ball when he gets hit, and sometimes he coughs it up even when he doesn't get hit. Yeah. So a lot of those fumbles are just hands off dur- during those RPOs. They're not even you know going yeah. back and tripping over himself or being tackled. It's he's trying to tuck it into Dixon and can't, and it you know he doesn't have the strong enough hands, and it fumbles all the time. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think that's the game plan. All right, so Baltimore defense. Chargers are going into Baltimore. This is the NFL's number one defense. The Baltimore defense has allowed the fewest yards and fewest points per game. Let's start up front. We'll talk about this defensive line. Uh, they run a 3-4 in the middle. It's one of the best run-stuffing nose tackles in the game. Brandon Williams, big fan of his. Uh, liked him during one of our free agent podcasts, but uh, he ended up getting a lot of money. So good thing the Chargers didn't go that route. Um <laughs> He's a major contributor in stopping the run, especially last time against the Chargers. The ends, Michael Pierce, Brent Urban. Uh, Pierce and Urban are having excellent seasons. I think Pierce is probably the front runner for the best man on that line. He's looked really, really good. He's been sharp most of 2018. Urban got the best of Schofield on their last matchup. Man, that was bad. He had a half a sack last time the two met. And uh, it's going to start with those three. Offensive line. Really has to have a better showing. That was a terrible showing, especially from the interior guys. Dan Feeney, Michael Schofield, uh, even your pro bowler, Mike Pouncey. So they're going to have to help out up front, and they're going to have to help out in the run game. They're a very good team defending the run. Two weeks ago, they had no answers up front. They averaged 3.2 yards per carry during that game. Melvin Gordon had 41 yards on the day. Austin Eckler wasn't part of that group. He'll be there on Sunday. The O-line was getting pushed around. You know, it just seemed like Rivers had no time all game. And not only was it their worst showing in terms of, you know, pressure, because Rivers was pressured over 40% of his dropbacks on that game, but the penalties just piled up, and they were getting grabby. This is a blitz-happy defense, and we'll talk about it. But, man, every time that offense was starting to get going and converting a third down, Okun's got a penalty. Tevy's got a penalty. Schofield's got a penalty. It just kept piling up and piling up and piling up. It was a very bad day for that offensive line. Yeah, the interior guys on this line are really good. Uh, you know, you mentioned Wormley, Williams, Urban, and Pierce. Pierce right now, I think, is the number six rated defensive tackle on PFF. Oh, I believe so it. So he's playing extremely well. Um, Williams, I don't think, is far behind. I think Williams is he's the 35th ranked defensive tackle right now. Um so those guys are all playing pretty well. Uh, I think Wormley is a guy that if he's on the field, you can run at him. He's not nearly the the threat in terms of pushing guys around and clogging lanes as Urban and Williams and Pierce are. Um, but I think you have to stay committed to the run. You know, you can't give up on the run. The Chargers felt really one-dimensional in that game in Week 16. It seemed like they just went to that seven-step drop and let's put the ball, push the ball down the field as much as we can. And there was just no commitment to the running game. And even if you're only getting two, three yards at a time, you still got to run between the tackles at least to keep them honest and at least try to wear them down. So uh, I don't know that the Chargers have any answers man for man up front for those guys. They're going to have to probably double team and chip and do whatever they can to get creative and keep those guys keep those guys off of rivers. Um, but I think there are more opportunities to run the ball effectively outside against this defense than there are inside against this defense. I think their edge guys are good but not great against the run. And I think there's there are a lot of opportunities and a lot of matchups you can win with those guys 
running off tackle in particular. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. I think they're more pass rushers than they are run stuffers. They're guys, yep. especially with as much as this team blitzes, running on the outside and running at them will definitely slow them down. Uh, they like to rotate their uh, pass rushers, and they were pretty effective bringing Rivers down last time. Zadarius Smith, half a sack, or a sack and a half, actually. Mm-hmm. Terrell Suggs, he had a really good hit on Rivers on a pass that uh, ended up falling incomplete. Sug Smith, kind of their headliner pass rushers. At the Sam, they've got Matt Judon. Uh, he's pretty active. Um, he's a pretty good pass rusher as well. He's tied second on the team. He's got seven sacks. Their will linebacker, Patrick Owanso, who had two sacks that game. At the Mike, they've got the veteran C.J. Mosley. He's, again, got 100 tackles this year. Leads the team in that category. Uh, another key cog and stop in the run. The Ravens really disguised their looks, and the Chargers just didn't have any answers. They're a heavy blitzing team. They had stunts and twists, and that O-line struggled keeping the pocket clean for Rivers. If they're going to win this game, and I guess we'll get into it, but they have got to keep Rivers clean. This offensive line has got to communicate much better than they did last time around. Absolutely, yeah. And I think one of the things that really hurt the Chargers was they, at times, the Ravens were kicking Judon and Zadarius Smith inside to the three technique and just letting them tee off on Schofield and Feeney, and the Chargers never, like you said, they had no answers. They never figured out how to stop that. They'd line up Smith and Judon on the same side, move one of those guys inside, one of them outside, and they'd stunt and twist. Sometimes they'd just shoot straight up the gap. They couldn't get a hand on them, and if they did, it was usually holding. So they've got to figure out how to handle those guys when they're reducing inside, when they're playing on the same side of the line, and they have to keep Rivers clean. But I think a lot of that also comes with keeping them honest. Um, and we'll talk to keys of the game here, but you got to run off the edge. You got to run at them. They're going to have to run some draws. I know people don't like hearing that. <laughs> they're going to have to run some draws to keep them honest. Uh, you know, they're going to have to run some screens, slip screens, uh, tight end screens, anything they can to get the ball out of Rivers' hands relatively quickly and make them think twice about coming all out on the blitz. And I think also keeping the backs involved and passing the ball down the field, not deep, but you know. In that five to seven yard range, uh, right at the linebackers in space, I think that's going to be important too. If they're going to bring those guys, make them pay for it. Throw throw behind them. So they have to do a better job. They have to have a better game plan. They just it just seemed like they weren't prepared in the first game. They had some opportunities to make some plays. I thought early in the game, Rivers missed a couple throws, mm-hmm. a couple opportunities for big plays. You know, leaving the pocket on uh, even on. Um, the second possession, there were two straight throws where I thought he had op- he had good protection and he had opportunities to make plays and he fled the pocket when he didn't really need to, took one side of the field away and missed an opportunity to make a big play. So uh, he's got to be better. I know he got hit 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 a lot in that in the last game and he's been hit a lot in the last few games. Hopefully, it's helping them prepare and they are more prepared for that in the playoffs because they can't win if Rivers isn't upright. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Yep. So then uh, moving on to the DBs, this is a pretty talented back end here. The corners are pretty good. At least one of them is. Marlon Humphrey is really good. Uh, looks like a rising star, man. He was really, really good. He won the Ravens 2018 MVP award for his play this year. Uh, I liked uh, what I saw out of him on the matchup or the last couple games we watched of the Ravens. Brandon Carr, Jimmy Smith, the other two corners. Carr has had a solid-ish year. For the Ravens, he had the interception on that uh, first play that you talked about from scrimmage. 
Humphrey had that second pick actually in the end zone at the end of the game. Uh, Rivers had two interceptions that game. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, Carr is a veteran, isn't that good? I think they're very susceptible in the middle of the field. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, on the back end, of course, Derek Weddle. We know all about him, and Tony Jefferson was maybe the star of that defense on Sunday. He was all over the place. I don't know if he was fired up because he was a San Diego kid and grew up watching the Chargers, but he was really, really good. He had a tackle for a loss, a pass deflection. He was good. He had a really bad penalty, late hit out of bounds on Justin Jackson, but other than that, he had a real clean game. Uh, This DB group is pretty good, but that middle of the defense, man, this is going to be a spot to attack. They can't run underneath. Keenan Allen was open. Those dinks and dunks to Justin Jackson, Melvin Gordon were open all day. Making these linebackers cover is going to be a big deal because you'll also help slow down the pass rush too. Keenan Allen had five catches, 58 yards. Justin Jackson, Melvin Gordon had 10 receptions for 60 yards combined. So that middle of the field was open. Maybe you can chip away in the middle of the field, take a shot deep later, keep them honest. Um, and we'll talk about keys to the game. I keep wanting to talk about it, but uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, there there are some good good talent uh, in this DB group. Yeah, I think you know outside they're in pretty good shape. Um, I think the guys that play in the slot and come on in their sub packages are the guys that you really want to go after. Tavon Young has had some issues covering the deep ball in recent weeks. He has a lot of trouble with those uh, deep and intermediate in breaking routes between the numbers and between the hash marks. Jimmy Smith is a guy who gets really grabby once you take him downfield. He's been struggling a lot this year with those deep routes. Uh, you, you watch the Browns game. They spread him out. They threw the ball over the top right down the middle of the field, kind of tried to find that soft spot between the linebackers and the safeties, and it was there all day. And they had the Browns had several drops that probably should have gone for touchdowns. That defense got picked on a little bit. They won the game, but they got picked on a little bit with those deep and intermediate routes in the middle of the field. So that's something the Chargers – are really going to have to try to find a way to hit. And I think they were trying to do that in the first game, and they just couldn't get enough protection to be able to execute. Um, But I think you want to find – I think this is a matchup game. I mean, all games are matchup games, but this is a huge matchup game. I think you want a lot of Keenan Allen versus Tavon Tavon Young and Jimmy Smith in the Mm -hmm. slot. I think you want a lot of uh, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler versus C.J. Mosley and Kenny Young in the middle of the field. Mike Williams – at times, uh, Eric Weddle was lined up man for man on my, on uh, Mike Williams in the first matchup, and the the Chargers just couldn't get the ball to Mike. So I think you want to find ways to get Williams matched up versus Weddle and Jefferson in the slot down the field in the middle of the field. And if Hunter Henry returns and plays in this game, he's another guy you want to get matched up in the slot with Weddle and Jefferson and use his size to your advantage in the middle of the field. I think there are plays to be made behind the linebackers and in front of the safeties um, in the middle of the field against this defense. You just got to keep Rivers upright and give him a chance to make the play. Yep. So let's move on to the keys of the game then. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, obviously keeping Rivers upright, like you mentioned, is a big deal. Uh, They are going to send a lot of guys, and it's going to be important for them to communicate in the interior because they just didn't the last time they were around. Uh, They have a lot of exotic looks, blitzing their front seven. What I would like to see is the Chargers pick up the passing game, make it a little bit quicker. Because the last time around, like we talked about, Wiz was having Phillip Rivers' seven-step drop when the pressure was coming. Interior offensive line couldn't take care of it, and of course the outside, Tevi and Okun weren't much better. But there was pressure all day, and you're asking Rivers to take seven steps. 
How about opening that up? How about uh, a game plan like they did against the Browns? How about running at that rushing attack? Run right at them like they did with Miles Garrett. Get the ball out fast on some quick passes. You've got Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler involved. Uh, Eckler obviously wasn't their last matchup. Get them involved. You run right at the pass rushers. You slow them down. It's going to open up the passing game. If Wiz is going to ask Rivers to seven-step drop, they're playing right into, into Ravens' strengths, and it's going to be a long day again on Sunday, so they can't do that. One thing that obviously seems, you know, like I don't really need to say this on this podcast, but they got to limit the turnovers. Last time they played, they're the number one defense, but Baltimore is 30th in the league in getting turnovers. They have 14 on the year. The Chargers had three turnovers. There were two interceptions and the Antonio Gates fumble recovery that Tavon Young returned for a touchdown. Even though it wasn't the offensive line's fault so much on those two interceptions because one was an underthrown pass to Mike Williams, one was to end the game to Travis Benjamin. But yeah, yeah, they just they have got to stop with those turnovers because even though his defense is number one, they don't get a lot of turnovers, and the Chargers just gifted them a bunch last time. I'd like to see the Chargers come out of the gate firing because they've been sleepwalking through the first quarter a lot. I don't know how you do that because. Lynn hasn't got them, but maybe with the playoffs, you light a fire a little bit. You just got to start fast this time, hopefully, because you start fast. Then you got Lamar Jackson having to throw the ball a little bit more because he's got to play catch-up. And hopefully Rivers isn't throwing another turnover in the first possession again, or at least first drive. This team leans on their running game too, this Ravens team. So if you do jump out to an early lead, you're then taking away the running game. You're having Lamar Jackson throw it. That's a good proposition for the Chargers. I just think that if they can communicate and do a little bit better with the offensive line, but having Wiz help them out a little bit with the quick passing game that would slow down the pass rush, uh, attack those linebacks in the middle of the field, the slot susceptible, like you mentioned, get those running backs involved in the passing game, limit the turnovers, try to get to an early lead. I mean, those those are my keys, and those obviously sound easy, and some of them may be obvious, but um, it's not it's not that hard. This isn't that complex. This is a team, if you get a lead, you can uh, pound on them and win, and I think there's a lot of favorable matches for the Chargers. And the Chargers, quite frankly, had maybe their worst game all season, and nothing went right for them. So if they limit their mistakes a little bit less than they did last time around, I think they'll have a good chance. Yeah, I I just feel like... You look at the way they played the Ravens the first time, it reminded me a lot of what happened for the Chargers in Kansas City and in Pittsburgh, where everything just went exactly the way they needed to to win those games. And I think that's what happened for the Ravens. I don't I mean their defense played great. I don't think their offense was all that great. You know, you've got a one score game going with three minutes left in that game. Rivers has the ball, you kinda had a feeling he might drive and, and give them a chance to win that game. Um and if they're not shooting themselves in the foot they probably left, I don't know, at least 14 points on the field, if not more. Yeah. So there are, you know, an underthrown ball in the first play. If he leads Mike a little bit, that might be a touchdown because Jefferson was late getting over. There are all kinds of plays that just came up like an inch, a foot short. And if they're in another one-score game with the Ravens again, I don't know that the Ravens can win that game again because you got to figure – Things are going to flip, and the Chargers are going to make one or two of those plays that got called back during the during the first game. So I, I don't I don't think this is as bad of a matchup for the Chargers as people think it is. Granted, there are some bad matchups up front, and that is concerning. But I think the Chargers can offset those things with a better game plan to some extent. So my keys, I think the Chargers really 
it felt like they tried to beat the Ravens at their own game in that first game. There were a lot of 12-man 12, uh, 12 pa- 12 personnel groupings. There were a lot of 22-man, 22 personnel groupings. So one back, two tight ends, two backs, two tight ends, for those who don't know what that means. Um, they tried to really match up with the Ravens in a phone booth, so to speak, and ram the ball down their throats and just win straight up man-to-man, and they couldn't do it. So I think you got to – one of the big keys is going to be diversifying the personnel packages, spreading them out. Maybe seeing more 11 personnel groupings, 10 personnel groupings, maybe even some 20 personnel groupings with two backs. Maybe get Eckler out wide or in the slot matched up against a guy like a Tavon Young or a linebacker in the slot. Find ways to spread them out, get guys in space, and get the ball out of Rivers' hands quickly. That's going to be really important. I think because the game is probably going to be close again, they also really need to stay committed to the run. They can't let the Ravens bully them out of their game plan and let them abandon, force them to abandon the run in the first or second quarter, because then Rivers is going to get killed. You just they don't have the offensive line to be able to drop back seven steps and try to throw the ball deep if they fall behind. So they they have to stick to the run, keep these guys honest, run downhill at these edge defenders. Because I think you know, to me, Suggs, even though he's a talented edge rusher, I think he's a guy who looks like he's a little long in the tooth playing a little slow. He's not very good against the run. Judon and Smith, both those guys can get bullied in the running game a little bit. I think you have good matchups with uh, Tevi and um, and Okung as run blockers against those guys in particular. So you got to run outside, and you got to get back to doing what you do best, which in my opinion is working in the middle of the field, like you said, Garrett. I think you have to get the ball out quickly, and you have to get the ball out quickly in the middle of the field in space and make them tackle in the open field. Uh, dumping the ball behind the line of scrimmage, that's not going to do any good because this team is fast. They come downhill and they can all tackle. So you have to get the ball down the field, out quickly, and in the middle of the field. And they had some success doing that in stretches in the first matchup. It just wasn't consistent enough. So spread them out. I want to see more three and four wide receiver sets, maybe one back sets, maybe some empty backfields. Um, get that get that ball moving. And I think you got to play with more tempo, like Garrett said. Start fast. You know, get get the get them in the personnel groupings that you want, create the matchups that you want, and then keep them on the field and keep them working and breathing heavy and keep them, you know, keep the pace up. Because if you start slowing the game down and you're snapping the ball at one to two seconds every time, they know when the snap is coming, those edge rushers are gonna kill you, the defensive linemen are gonna eat you alive, and you're playing right into their hands because you're slowing the pace down. They want the game to be short. They want that clock to bleed. So snap that ball with 15 seconds left, 12 seconds left. Get the tempo up. Get them breathing hard early. Get some points on the board early. And then try to build and snowball and work downhill. Because if you are playing slow and you're letting them come off the line and beat you off the line, you're going to get killed. And then you got to work uphill the whole game. And we know that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we talked about the keys on offense and defense for the Chargers. Let's talk about who we think is going to win this game. Uh, I already alluded to it. I think the Chargers are going to win this game. Um, I, the Ravens are a good team. I, but I just, I, I think the chargers actually, I was thinking about this tonight, watch rewatching the Denver game. I'm kind of happy. The chargers are kind of getting bogged down on offense late in the season. Not that it's ideal, but I think playoff games more often than not are one ugly and the chargers are having to find ways to play and win ugly. And I think that benefits you down the stretch more than rolling people up and winning big. Cause you're just not going to get wins like that in the playoffs. So I think it's a close game. 
I think it's probably somewhere in that like three to ten point range at the most. And I think the Chargers win. I'm going to say the score is 19-12, Chargers. All right. Yeah, yeah, we're close, and people will be happy because I think the Chargers win this game too. I just don't think the Ravens beat the Chargers twice in a span of a couple weeks. That's really tough to do in the NFL. And I think everything did go right for the Ravens the first time around. The defense was good. No, uh, not taking anything away from the Baltimore defense, but the Chargers really shot themselves in the foot. And I think that they could uh, correct themselves this time around. They just had so much going wrong for them, and Baltimore capitalized on almost every bad play that happened. So with all that, I say the Chargers win. It's going to be ugly. I'm going to say 2013, but we've got the same seven-point spread. So Chargers win ugly, and they're moving on. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about this path to the Super Bowl then. So we both have them winning this game. And if we, if I had my preferred path, and I'm sure Jamie, you'll be on board with this because it's a pretty simple and probably obvious path here. Uh, if the Chargers win, I would want the Colts to beat the Texans, so they play the Chiefs, and the Chargers would then play the Patriots, who I know might be sacrilege, but uh, I think they're kind of right for the picking right now. Uh, they are not the team they used to be. That defense is very bad. Um, Gronk is looking very slow, like he should be retiring in the offseason. Uh, Brady is obviously up there in age. That offense isn't really as good as it used to be, except for that running game. Uh, that's that's a scary group. But other than that, I think the Chargers then uh, face the Patriots, which I don't think as bad of a matchup as people might think. And if they were to win that, obviously I'd want the Colts to beat the Chiefs. Because that'd be the easiest game. And then Chargers get to play a home game to try to beat the Colts and go to the Super Bowl in the AFC Championship game. So you got about the same route, Jamie? Yeah, I think we have very similar thoughts. I think the Patriots, in my opinion, are the ones you want in the second round. They're they're looking old and tired. The defense is not very good, particularly up front. They don't really have any playmakers at the first two levels of the defense. Seems like they are making the decision to take the ball out of Brady's hands at times down the stretch this season. He's making questionable decisions, taking bad sacks. The arm strength doesn't look like it's there. Um, I think that's the matchup you want, even if you have to go to New England to do it. I just feel like the Chargers match up really well with them on both sides of the ball and would find a way to win that game, even in spite of what some people would probably consider a coaching mismatch or a deficit in in you know the coaching skill sets between Belichick and Lynn I just feel like the talent the Chargers have I feel like it plays out and they win that game so I would want them to go to New England in the second round and then even though I'm not necessarily afraid of going to Kansas City in for the AFC championship game I would much rather have the Colts come to LA so I would want the the Colts to win each of their games and wind up with a wild card matchup in the AFC Championship game in L.A., which I think the Chargers would win. Yeah, yeah, same here. Okay, guys, that's it. Our very first playoff preview of the Lightning Round podcast. I am at Garrett Sisti on Twitter, Jamie. At Lightning underscore round. And hopefully we will see you next week. Thanks, everybody. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Full Cast. Full Cast. Full Tron. 
I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, bears and video games i mean there's also some actual football discussion like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things or the ncaa saying really stupid things yeah there's lots of stupid things in this big dumb beautiful sport sometimes we talk about football games allegedly if you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken come find us on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one the shutdown forecast. It's not Voltron.